So we just want to say good morning and uh, thank you for being here today. Excited for the opportunity to get to share um, with you in this marriage series. Um, this is my beautiful wife, Dana. And my name is Sean, for some of you that don't know. Um, been saved for a little over 20 years. I gave my life to Jesus Christ at the fine age of 20, right over here. We used to have pews, but had my life-changing encounter with God. I'd had other moments before, but at 20, I said, enough is enough, and I gave my life to the Lord, and um, my beautiful not-wife at that time was already here at the church, and uh, she had started coming just, what, like a year or so, two years before that, and uh, she had just said enough is enough also and surrendered. And so that was in March. And then in August, we got this really cool phone call um, from the, the people that run the church here. And we had a Christian school at the time. And they thought that I was the perfect candidate to work um, at our Christian school. And they also gave her the same phone call. And so um, before we knew it, we were working together and had already been going to church together. And um, little did they know the pastors here, which happened to be mom and dad, um, actually paid us um, to fall in love with each other. So, um, yeah, it's not a bad deal. And uh, so they didn't realize it, but we were actually getting paid to develop a relationship. How many else have had one of those awesome opportunities? Anybody else? Amen. So we're, you know, we're doubly blessed, but uh, thank you, mom, for paying us to fall in love with it. She's like, wait, what did we do? But we worked across the hallway from each other. And so it was a fun time. And now here we are in two weeks, we will celebrate 19 um, years of marriage, which, uh, amen. I feel like that's a long time, but then some of you in this room have just, I mean, you guys are my heroes, so I feel like we're just getting started, but at the same time, 19 is really um, a long time in today's world. Um, it seems like, you know, anyways, we'll leave that there, and so um, this morning, just to give a little background on us, we have four humans that we're responsible for on a daily basis. We have a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a three-year-old going on 23, and um, we're responsible to feed them three meals a day, keep them clothed and alive for at least 18 years. After that, it's on them. Amen. We've been uh, youth pastors here at our church for going on 11 years. Um, we also run our Lord's Gym. And then last year we thought since, you know, we had a little bit of free time, we would start a little business on the side also. So we remodeled our garage and started a t-shirt printing business. So, you know, we got a little bit going on in our life. And I thought it'd be important to share all that with you this morning. So as we begin to talk about um, marriage and relationships, you understand where we're coming from and what our life looks like. But I know for me, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that he will do immeasur immeasurably more than we could ask or think. And um, God has really done that in our life. And so this morning, um, for us, our marriage and relationship is unique. Um, we live together. We sleep together. We work together. We serve God together, and we vacation together. So we have the five folds, marriage, amen. Wah, wah. That was dumb, huh? Sorry. She wanted me to take the sleep together part out and make it fun. I'm like, but then it would only be four, and that's not biblical. So we wanted fivefold. Amen. Two verses that um, I think are key as we get into this today is Psalm chapter 37 and verse number five. It says, commit your way 
to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Today, these are two crucial verses for what we're going to talk about, because really our relationship with God and our relationship with people are absolutely correlated. Amen. And when you try to separate the two, you'll fail. Amen. And, and so we're going to use scripture today to, to highlight um, how to have strong relationships and marriages. Um, but it also equates to having a strong relationship with the Lord. And it really does take these two principles to commit, fully commit. Amen. No looking back. Just like when I gave my life to Christ, I fully committed. No looking back. So this morning, I'm going to let my wife introduce um, our first point. We have three today that um, we feel are, you know, we're not perfect in them, but they're things that we try to live by in our life. So, amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Well, we're excited to share today. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been learning things um, over the past couple of weeks in this relationship series. And um, before I start, I just want to preface the fact that um, we're not just talking about marriage relationships. These things that we're going to share, these keys and principles are godly, biblical principles that will help us in all of our relationships. So whether you're married or not, um, you can still apply these things to your relationships. If you, maybe you're young and you're not married yet, um, just keep these things in mind because you're going to need them later. And like Sean said, we do not have it all together. We are not perfect, but we know the one that is. And I know it sounds cliche, but God really is the glue that holds our marriage together. So we are excited to share with you today. Um, so let's pray and we'll get started. Father, um, I just thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you've given us the gift of relationships, the gift of marriage. And so today as we share, I pray that you would uh, anoint our ear, ears to hear, anoint our words to speak. Lord, I pray that you would um, touch every need in this room, Lord God, where there are those that are struggling in their marriage and in their relationships. I pray, God, that this would be the day that there would be healing and breakthrough and restoration, Lord God. And we just thank you for this time in these next few moments, and we ask you to bless it and be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So point number one is deliberately make your marriage a Christian marriage. Loving God and serving God adequately is what's going to help us to learn to love and serve one another in our relationships and in our marriage. In Mark 12, 29 um, through 30, Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And his answer was this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus said everything in a nutshell is love God and love people. And having a strong relationship with God is what gives us the heavenly advantage when it comes to our relationships with other people. And especially when it comes to marriage. And even the strongest of marriages, the best of marriages, go through hard, challenging times. You might, you know, be a strong Christian and have a good scenario and circumstance in your marriage, but you're still going to have struggles. So we need all of heaven's resources, and we need God on our side and in our relationships. And I believe that the best thing that you and I can do for our marriages, for our relationships, for our family, our children, is to work hard to be that woman of God or that man of God that he has called us to be. Work hard to have a close relationship with, with the Lord. Because everything else, all other relationships, like Sean said, flow out of that. Um, and marriage is more about us becoming the right person 
than it is about us finding the right person or, or, or being with the right person. And so when we spend time in prayer with God and communication with God, and when we do our best to walk in obedience in, to his word, we cannot help but be conformed to his image and take on his likeness and take on the traits of Christ. And it begins to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Galatians 5:22 and 23, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I don't know about you, but I want all of those things in my relationships, in my marriage. Would you guys agree? Amen. Amen. So we need all of those qualities, and the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to walk in grace and to walk in love and kindness, even when we don't feel like it, even when the person that we're in relationship with maybe isn't um, being lovable at that time. It's, it's the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the strength to do what we're called to do. And he gives us wisdom and insight into our relationships and how to deal with situations when there's conflict. And so I want to encourage you, um, maybe you don't have a God-centered marriage or maybe you don't have a strong relationship with the Lord. It's not too late to start. You can start that today. Amen. I think that loving God is the most important part to making the rest of your life work. Amen. If you don't have this relationship right, no other relationship is going to work well. Amen. You, it may work for a season, um, but it's the relationship with God that enables us to really, truly be right relationships to other people. Amen. And I know for myself, you know, I was very fortunate uh, when I got saved to have such an amazing role model um, in pastor and in my dad. I got to live in his house for a season and I can remember getting up in the morning and, you know, he doesn't talk a lot about this, so I, I'll share, but he gets up in the morning early, way beyond any time I ever like to move, but he's already up and nowadays he's sending text messages. Some of you get those before. It's like, amen. We'll talk about that later. Um, but he's up early, and I remember coming out, and, and he's already got his Bibles out. He's got his notebook out, and he's on his knees praying and just hearing him just stir up and cultivate that relationship with God like every day. And that was so inspiring to me, and I, I was so thankful for that season of my life because I know when it came into um, wanting to be a husband and, and wanting to be that leader and that dad and, and that man of God for my wife, I'm so thankful I had that example of what it looked like to be a man of God. And then I remember when we got married, um, we didn't live together before. We didn't sleep together before. So um, it was after our wedding that I got to wake up one morning and, and see her daily routine. And she was up early with the coffee and the Bible and, and praying. And, you know, some of us, I've heard over the years, different people, they actually um, get intimidated by that or they... Um, resent that in their spouse. But for me, it was something that inspired me. It's like, God, I want to be a better man of God than she is a woman of God. Amen. I want to know you deeper than she knows you. I want to, I want to be the leader. I don't want to be the follower. I want to be the man of God that you've called me to be. So it, it inspired me and it motivated me to cultivate a deeper relationship with the Lord, because I know that at the end of the day, if I'm right with God, our relationship is going to be right. Amen. And God's going to change me and, and cultivate who he's called me to be through that relationship. Amen. So I want to encourage you to, to put that first because everything else will fall into place the more we connect with the Lord. Amen. 
Um, another benefit of having a strong relationship with God and having a God-centered marriage is that um, when we're in daily communication with God, our spirit is attuned to his spirit, and we're better able to recognize um, when the enemy is at work in our relationships, when there's conflict. Have you guys ever been, uh, maybe it's before church, you're getting ready for church, and you guys were fine the day before, but all of a sudden you're on your way to church and you're bickering and fighting, and has anybody ever had that happen? And then you get to church and you're like, That's I can't we even don't go worship to God. Together. I can't even receive. Yeah, we have to go separately. But <laughs> I'm kidding. You. Um, but when you're in tune with God, you can recognize, hey, wait a minute. Every time we take a step forward um, and seek after God, we start fighting. What is this? And you recognize that it's the enemy at work because we are stronger together. We're better for together. And if we can have healthy relationships, healthy Amen. marriages, um, and healthy families, we become a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of God. When God's people are joined together and they're united with one mind and one heart, there is nothing that we can't do. And, and we forget it sometimes, but the enemy knows it and he hates unity. And that's why he works so hard to, to, um, cause us to be in strife and contention with one another. And he would much rather have us fighting with each other than fighting alongside of each other against the kingdom of darkness. Ooh, preach. Um, Ephesians 6.12 says, We are not fighting against humans. We are fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and power, powers in this spiritual world. Um, as Christians, we need to train ourselves and, and have our first reaction when there's conflict or strife or turmoil going on in our relationship, our first reaction is to begin to hold that situation up, hold that person up before God. So many times our, our first reaction is to um, get in an argument or to fight or to, to have this physical flesh-to-flesh -flesh fight, but really we need to be taking fighting the battle on our knees before God and holding that situation up before God. And prayer doesn't always, it doesn't just change the circumstances around you or change the other person. But how many of you guys know a lot of times prayer changes you because you go to God and you're mad at the other person and you're like, this is what they did. I'm mad. I'm upset. But God always turns it back around to us. How did we handle it? What do we need to do? God has a funny way of doing that. You guys ever experienced that? It's like, wait, I didn't come here to talk about me. I came to talk about them. But when you hold that situation up before God in prayer, it begins to give you a new perspective. You know, maybe they didn't behave the right way. Maybe they didn't treat you the right way. But when you pray for them, it gives you a compassion. And it's hard to be mad at someone and pray for them at the same time. And it begins to give you a perspective. Maybe they're going through something. Maybe they're stressed. Maybe they're fighting something in their body. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe they're being attacked. And you can um, have a better understanding. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but it explains the behavior. So it's important for us to remember to not take everything so personally in our relationships, but to take it spiritually. We need to learn to hold that thing up before God, our spouse. We should be praying for our spouses every day. We should be praying for the peace of God in our home. As, as God's children, we have a covenant right to certain things. We can put our foot down and say, no, we're not going to have strife and conflict in our home. We're going to have a peaceful home. We're going to serve God. We have power and authority. And so when we're, um, when we're living for God and have that strong relationship, we have an advantage. Amen. She's getting her preach on right now, fired up. I'm just sitting back going, I need to repent. Amen. And you're beautiful. Amen. The Bible says that we're to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. 
And uh, our relationship with God is what gives us that faith. Amen. And without that relationship, we don't have faith. Amen. We don't. And so we need to cultivate our faith because every marriage needs a rope and a foundation to hold it together in the storms. How many of you guys have ever faced some storms in relationships? Amen. They go through some things. Amen. Can we be honest in church this morning or are we going to be holy? Amen. Thank you. Some of you are acting like, yeah, okay. So great marriages, I'm going to rattle some of your uh, religion. Great marriages are the result of great fighters, not quitters. Amen? And, and God gives us the ability to fight and not quit. And I'm not talking about getting the gloves out and fighting, but I'm talking about fighting the good fight of faith together. Amen. Fighting for what we want, fighting for a great marriage, fighting for a happy home, fighting for great friendships. And, you know, how many of you guys have had to endure some things with some friends in order to stay friends for a long time? Amen. As I look at my best friend sitting over there, you know, him, Cole and I have been best friends for 20 years. And, you know, there's times where we don't always maybe agree on something, but we keep encouraging and strengthening one another and fighting for this relationship and this friendship and cultivating what, what God wants to do through us together and encouraging one another. Amen. So for us, we've resolved in our hearts because of our faith, because of our relationship with God, that we're never going to give up. Amen. We have had our moments, yet there's something deep down in our spirit that rises up and compels us to fight for what is right. And I think the word of God says it so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 8. It says, we often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us, and, we are not, and when we are knocked down, we get up again. Amen. How many of you have ever felt like you've been knocked down, but it's time to get back up? Amen. Just because you fail doesn't mean you get up, don't get up and try again. Amen. How many of you guys ever tried to ride a bicycle? You fell down one time, you're like, never again, right? Amen. No matter what, you must refuse to be influenced by the fact that someone else tried and failed. You have to stay sold on the idea that there is a solution to your problems, and if you don't throw in the towel, you will find it. God will show up in your relationship when he is first place. So today, I want to encourage you to walk by faith, stand your ground to maintain a Christian home, marriage, and relationships. Amen? Secondly, this morning, you have to acquire a real love for your mate. And um, I think our world today gives us a slanted view of love. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of a funny thing. I I say love. She's like, what are you going to say? Um, I'm a little more ad-libbed than she is. So she's praying for me right now that I say the right thing. But I do say love a lot. But I, I genuinely mean it. And I think the other day, there's a guy, we're at the um, this place that we get our cars sometimes. And I genuinely like this guy. And it turned into like this total witnessing moment. Like we're, in, you know, we're sharing faith and talking and, and I walk out and I'm like, love you. And I walk out. He told the car salesman he loved him. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't just say that to every car salesman. Okay. Let's just get that started. Okay. Like this is somebody that like we were there for an hour. Every time we, we go there, three cars. Yeah. So. We bought three cars from this guy. So, but I think we do, we say love. <laughs> I do love him. He gives me a great deal. Kidding. But that's how we use love today is we love people as long as they give us something. Amen. But what we want to talk about today is acquiring true love. What does it mean to have true love? 
Um, the Bible says there's three different kinds of love. Number one, the first one, I should have put this up there, so forgive me, but is, is eros, E-R-O-S. And that's the erotic or the sensational love, right? Um, the second one is philo, which is brotherly love or a fondness. And then the third one, what we want to talk about today is agape love, which is sacrificial. Amen? Real love and healthy marriages is sacrificial. Agape love is the giving away like Christ did of his life. He gave his life for us. Amen? So. Um, so like Sean was saying, a Christian marriage is meant to be a reflection of God's covenant love for us. I believe it's Romans 5, 8. It says that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. In our darkest time and our time of sin with our issues, God sent his son to die for us. And that's what covenant love is like. And that's how God calls us to love each other in our marriages and in our, in our relationships. And it becomes a beautiful thing when you can get to the point in your marriage that even with all of the issues, all of the flaws, all of the, the baggage and the things that are wrong with that person, you say, no, I'm committed to you because God's committed to me and I'm going to love you like God loves me. And you say, I'm with you, issues and all. And so our marriages are supposed to reflect the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, it says that love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. For, in order for a, a marriage to be healthy, we have to have these attributes. And so um, I want to encourage and challenge you guys, when you go home today or this week, Get alone with your, your spouse and ask yourself these questions. Does our marriage reflect the love of God? If people were to see how we interact with each other, how we talk to each other behind closed doors, not here at church when we're all, you know, we have our Sunday best on and we're all smiling at each other, but when we go home, does our marriage reflect the love of God? You know, can people go, oh my gosh, you're oozing with the love of God right now? Or if they heard the way you talked to each other and treated each other, would they be like, I thought you guys were Christians. So I want to encourage you guys to have those conversations and then also to examine yourself honestly in the light of the, the word of God and what it says. I might love my spouse, but do I show that love to them? Am I patient with them? Am I kind to them? Do I overlook their faults? You know, sometimes we get so worked up over little habits and little things that really in the grand scheme of things, in the big picture, they're not that big of a deal. But we let things get under our skin and we make the little things the big things. And God says, no, overlook all of that and just show them love. Walk in love. So I want to encourage you guys um, to just examine yourselves. Am I showing that love that God calls us to love with to my spouse and in my relationships? And learn to be lighthearted. Learn to have fun learn to laugh it's you know the bible says that a merry heart is good like a medicine we need to have that friendship and that laughter in our marriages galatians 6 2 uh, says bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of christ bearing one, one another's burdens just means doing whatever you can to lighten the other person's load one thing that i love about our marriage is that um 
I think from the beginning, we've always just been a team. And so when he has a problem, maybe I can't fix it directly, but it's my problem and I'm going to do whatever I can to alleviate stress, to pray for him, to, to make his load lighter. And it's the same for him with me. And so we have that attitude, like we're a team, we're in this together. It's not me and my problem and him and his problem. We have that attitude of whatever happens to one of us happens to both of us. It's good stuff. How many would you agree with that this morning? So truly loving someone is something that is so much deeper. And um, I was thinking about it today um, as she was sharing that verse that some of you just need to go home and throw out that um, filing cabinet of all the wrongs in your relationships. Unfortunately, today, most relationships fail because their love is not genuine. Their love is categorized in things like, number one, infatuation love, that puppy love or sudden love, or maybe it's, you know, conditional love, I'll love you if, or maybe it's, you know, sexual appeal or attraction, and, um, you know, you know that over time that fades away, amen? I've lost hair, I've gained weight, right? She's still still gorgeous, but I'm looking like I hit a wall. Amen. I'm kidding. But if if love is based on looks, you're in trouble. Amen? Deceitful love that's built on a lie. Insecure love where you just constantly need them because you're so insecure about yourself. Um, And then the last one is two against the world love. We're going to prove the world wrong. Right? Your common ground is we both had a failure, so we understand each other. And so anyways, um, at the end of the day, all of us have some of these traits in our marriage from time to time. But if our love does not grow and move to agape love, our home will not be happy. So for us, we have to be intentional about how we love and serve one another. I love telling her how much I love her, but I also do my best to serve her. Amen. I do my best to help her. I do my best to um, let her know that she's the most beautiful woman on the planet, that there is nothing wrong with her, that I am madly in love with her. But at the same time, if I just say that from the couch every night, oh, you're gorgeous. You're so good looking when you're holding the vacuum. You missed a spot. Right? So, you know, is my dinner ready yet? Because you look good in the kitchen. Amen? That's not sacrificial love, is it? Sacrificial love is I love you so much, I'm going to get up off the couch and I'm going to come help you cook dinner. I'm going to help clean the house because we're having company over after church today. I'm going to do what I can to, to help lighten your load. Like I said, you know, because our relationship is so unique, um, it's, we do a lot together. I mean, there's very rarely a day where we don't see each other multiple times throughout the day. Um, it's very, I don't go to work and not see my wife until I'm off work. You know, we end up at the gym together cause we work there. We run that together and then we do ministry together. And so all of these things. So for us, you know, uh, most of the time when I'm wiped out, she's wiped out because we've been doing the stuff together, you know? And so for me to come home and go, well, that's your role and this is my role. So I'm going to sit here and relax because I've had a long day and yeah, you have the four kids, but you know, I had to go to work. No, that's not the way it works in our home. It's never been that way. And I think we established that right from the get-go, probably because we didn't have any money to do anything else either. So we did everything together. Like we would get home from work, we would cook, and then, you know, that was it. Like we would cook dinner together and that was just, we are genuinely just best friends and madly in love with each other. 
but that is something that we have to guard and protect and cultivate in order to keep. Amen? So. I always uh, joke and tell him he's really attractive when he's um, cleaning the stove or washing the dishes. I'm like, babe, you look good in the kitchen. We have a joke, too. Like, when we clean the house, I'll be like, I'll do the glass. Right? Like, the, that's the windows, the mirrors, the, the stuff. The easy stuff, not yeah. the toilets. Not the toilets. <laughs> okay, moving on to point number three. <laughs> Better move on quick, right? Yes, for real. Okay, so <laughs> point number three is learn to communicate. How many of you guys have ever struggled with communication in a relationship, even if it's not marriage? I know I have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the biggest struggles in relationships and in marriages. Um, so we want to share a few things that we don't, we, like I said, we don't have this all together, but these are some things that have helped us in our relationship and have gotten us this far. Um, the first point is show honor in the way that you communicate. That word honor just means properly perceived value and worth. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Good communication with your spouse and in your marriage builds trust and it builds connection. It's really hard to have trust with someone if communication is lacking or if information is being withheld. If they don't tell you anything or if they um, keep secrets, how do you trust them? If you know you're supposed to be one flesh, but how can you trust someone that you don't have communication with? And it's hard to have connection with your spouse if there's a lack of communication. So a couple of things that have worked well and um, helped our marriage is that uh, we always try to make sure that we are in the know about what's going on in each other's lives. We're not with each other all day long. We, a lot of times we do see each other throughout the day because we're working or whatever. But even if we're not, we're like, hey, in the morning, what do you have going on today, this week? What, what did you have in mind for this weekend? And we're always in the know. So even if we're not together, we're connected and we're communicating. And then another thing is that early on in our relationship, we established a rule that we don't make plans for each other um, or make major decisions without first consulting each other. Um, if you invite us over for dinner, we're not going to say, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. No, we always check with each other because one of us might not want to come over for dinner that night or whatever. Um, we don't keep things. We don't uh, keep secrets from each other. We, when we have decisions to make, we always look to each other for feedback and input because um, whether you intend to or not, when you withhold information, when you don't consider someone in a decision, um, you're sending the signal and the message that you don't value their input. You didn't consider them. You don't want their feedback. And that might not be what you're trying to convey, but nobody likes to be the last to know about a situation. You know, you hear about people that are, I have to be careful what I say because I thought I was using like a generic illustration and then after first service, someone came and told me, my spouse actually did that. But you know, well, you then don't say it again because we want, might want to help somebody improve their communication. Should I say it? Yeah, just say you it. Don't, you don't go, okay, hi, honey, I came home and I quit my job and I bought a boat. Like you want to, <laughs> right? You want to consult people. But I guess it turns out I thought that was like hypothetical, but it turns out people do that. But you want to make sure that people are in the know. Can you pray for the people in first service? Amen. So in order to have a happy marriage, we have to learn to both um, speak and to listen. Uh, James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
And so communication is just as much listening as it is talking. And a lot of times we get so focused on getting our point across and defending ourselves that we're not even listening to what the other person is trying to say. We're just like being quiet so they'll hurry up and finish so we can say what we want to say. because I'm right and I want you to listen to me. <laughs> Setting them straight. So we have to learn to listen. So we have a little uh, game for oh, you Oh, yes. Yes. Youth pastors always have to have a game, right? I found that adults actually like the games more than the teenagers, right? So uh, Go ahead and pick oh, a couple. You know who I saw that I think would be really good for this? Who? I was surveying the land. I'm like, they can't be from first service. So I see Lacey and Tyrell hiding Ooh, in the back. Yeah. yeah. Can you guys give it up for Come Lacey and Tyrell? Come on up real quick. Looking sharp. Come on, run. They're jump over across. They're because they come to our youth services, yeah. and they're like, what are they going to make me yep. eat? What are they going to make us do? Messy? So You don't have to eat anything. We got to pick people we know so they don't get mad at us, right? Bill and Lori, right? Yep. <laughs> Amen. So part of the thing that we like to do is I am a visual learner. Anybody else a visual learner? Just stand face to face. To face. You guys are going to compete in your marriage this morning. But um, we're visual, and we like um, things that, that emphasize a point. So um, real quick, go ahead. Do you want to explain what we're going to do while I... Okay. So yeah. my lovely assistant here is I'm going Vanna to... Today. <laughs> he's going to hand you guys um, a tube of toothpaste. It's conveniently called AIM. And when we say go, do you guys have the Wait, wait, don't open music? it yet. When we say go, you guys are going to open that box. You're going to open the toothpaste, and you guys need to get the whole tube of toothpaste, squeeze it all out into this container before the other person. And whoever finishes first is the winner. Amen. Easy enough, right? Who's got Tyrell in their corner this morning? Give it up for Tyrell. I need all the husbands to champion Tyrell right now. Come on, come on, guys. How many girls think that Lacey's got what it takes? All right, we got a little music. We like to pump it up so you can stand your feet. You can cheer them on this morning. Dan and I are going to hold these cups. Now, Bill Bill failed in first service, and he didn't make it in the cup. So let's make sure we get it. It might have been my fault. Oh, it's Dana's fault. Sorry, Bill. It's Dana's fault. Amen. Miscommunication. All right. So on the count of three, they're going to open these box, and they got to empty their tube of toothpaste into this cup. They need you to cheer them on this morning. Come on, on the count of three. One, two. Three, go! How's it gonna go? How's it gonna go? All the way! All the way! Oh my goodness! Oh my god! Tyrell means business this morning! He's like, look, he's got his game face on. He's focused. Oh! Game over! Alright, you can set it there. Tyrell won. You can set it in the cup. That's good. She came in a close second. Okay. Oh no! We got a little toothpaste everywhere. Oh man, we made a mess again. He meant business this morning. Yeah, so now I need you guys to take this toothpaste and can you guys put it all back in the tube, please? No? Can you put it back in the tube? No. No? Okay. It's impossible, isn't it? Amen. All right, thank you. guys. Give these guys a hand. Okay, so we wanted to... Um, you guys look fantastic up here, by the way. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes, lovely couple. So we wanted to share that illustration because that's a lot like how our words work. Um, we can spit it all out there really fast. What was that, like 20, 30 seconds? 
if, if that. We can get it out there really fast, but it's really hard once we've spoken those things to get those words back. And it's really, it's a mess to try and clean that up. And that's the way it is with our words. So hopefully um, the next time you're in a conflict, you'll just remember toothpaste and go, no, I don't want to say that, right? Um, so Proverbs 29.11 says, a fool gives vent to a spirit, but a wise man holds it back. Um, Proverbs 17.28 says, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his tongue. Colossians 4.6 says, let your speech be always with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to, you should respond to each person. So not only do we need to learn to listen to one another and speak to one another, but frankly, we need to learn the art of keeping our mouth shut. We don't have to say every sarcastic thought, every snide remark, every comment that comes to mind. There's a time and a place, and sometimes we just don't even need to say that. And we need to learn to communicate our feelings and be honest, but not be hurtful and not say things that we can't ever take back. And Sean and I, um, if you know us at all, you know that we can hold our own when it comes to sarcasm and sass and snide remarks. So we've learned as a couple um, over the years to not say everything that we're thinking and, and um, you know, give every comeback. Still it working on it. Yes, it's, we're a work in progress. But, um, you know, it doesn't produce the fruit of the spirit in our lives and usually it makes a big mess like the toothpaste. And um, we have to learn to have those hard conversa- conversations and listen to one another without getting defensive and be willing to um, hear hard things without saying hurtful things back. Amen. How many of you guys have ever wanted to be right in the conversation? Yeah, you're not supposed to raise your hand. Your spouse is like, see, it's your fault. I just Right? Like, I knew it was you. But I I love the word of God. He gives us such um, great examples if you really, you know, open your heart and and see it. And I love what Paul says. And if you, the band, you guys can come back. Um, Maybe Jake and Emma um, and Becca should be ready for that, please. Um, And first, up here, yeah, sorry. Be ready to just like jump, right? Like just click your heels three times and be on stage. Amen. Communication. See, we're communicating. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2, it says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Amen. And I thought this was such a cool passage of scripture. I'd never caught, this hasn't ever caught my attention. So to say, you know, I've, I've read this verse. Oh yeah, I'm a steward. You know, I'm faithful to the, what God's called me to do. And you know, I'm a good steward of what he's given me. But then I love what Paul goes on to say. And in our relationships, in our service to God and what we're called to do in the earth, I love how he begins to say this because the thing that will rob us of being a good steward and being faithful to our spouse, faithful to our friends, faithful in service to God, is our attitude. Amen? I didn't even say this in first service, so this is for somebody in here. But we actually become our own enemy to being good stewards and being faithful to what God has bestowed upon us, what God wants to do for us. And I love what he says. He goes, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. Listen to this. It's like, who do you think you are to judge me, right? How many conversations in a relationship kind of go this way, right? Like, you don't understand me. You don't know me. You're not listening to me. I've, I've had a few of those in myself. He goes, I don't even judge myself. I'm never wrong, right? For I know of nothing against myself. Isn't that the truth? You know, Proverbs says the ways of man are always right in his own eyes. And I think when it comes to relationships and marriages is we got to fight to overcome that. 
And I've really had to work hard at this. She's perfect. I always tell her, you're the angel and I'm the one that needs Jesus. Amen. Because I do, man, I'm a competitive guy. Like I like to win. I like to, you know, do the things Jack last night in the swim pool was trying to see how many times we could go underwater back and forth. And I was determined to beat that teenager. And I'm like, it doesn't even matter. I never even in the pool, but something in me wants to win. And that carries into our relationships, into our marriage. And I've had to learn how to not be so protective of being right. Amen. Not being so protective of winning all the time, but humbling myself and allowing communication to flow. Because the reality is we never want to see the wrong in ourselves, but we easily see the wrong in others. See, relationships grow when we find common ground with one another and see ourselves for who we really are. I believe communication is the number one problem in marriage. Communication is the number one problem in relationships. You didn't understand. They didn't hear me. They didn't listen to me. And, you know, this, this filters through every situation of our life. But communication involves work, sensitivity, care, intimacy, pain, patience, being naked, not in that context, and honest with one another. Nothing hidden, nothing holding back. I know for us a few years ago, something really shifted and um, it was just the ability to just really grab each other and look each other in the eye. <laughs> I'm not gonna look at her now, but you know, tears in our eyes, looking at each other and just being totally vulnerable and honest and, and saying, this hurts, this is painful. And I really feel like it was at that moment, you know, we'd had a great relationship up to there. We'd have our battles and struggles just like everybody else. I think to think you're not gonna have those things, you're fooling yourself. But it was really that moment where we really did get humble and look each other in the eye and just and repent to one another. I know for us, most of our disagreements are usually resolved when we come to a place of total surrender to one another and honestly share what hurts. But in that moment, it's crucial that when you become vulnerable like that and you find out what hurts and what's not communicated properly, that you remember that. I've really had to, to put this in my life where I go, okay, I can't respond that way. I can't say it that way because that creates a hurt, that creates confusion, that creates miscommunication. And I have to work to make sure that I don't do that again. Amen, I, wanna, I want this relationship to be the healthiest relationship I have. So I gotta work to protect those things. So this morning, if you wanna stand to your feet, The supreme, the supreme goal in marriage is to know and be known. It takes patience to build something that is beautiful. It takes patience. Patience is that thing that gets revealed when you're being tested. Like when you're driving down the road. Anybody else have that one? Going down the road and yeah. You're patient until somebody tests you. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse number 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. No relationship is perfect, but the more patient you become, the better that relationship becomes. Amen? No marriage is perfect, but the more patient and understanding you are with one another, the better it becomes. Amen? So this morning, we didn't quite know how to close.
we thought that it would be important to focus on those three things today. It takes patience to trust God in the hard times, and it takes patience to trust God in the good times. Learning how to have healthy communication has been a great challenge with greater reward. You know, I know for us, we're nowhere perfect, but we've come a long ways. We've had to fight some battles, had to overcome, but God is faithful. And rest assured this morning, nobody's relationship is perfect. But those that focus on their relationship with Christ, sacrificing and communicating are those that find the greatest wealth in their relationships. Amen? Amen. I just wanted to share as I was praying this week and uh, preparing for this message in prayer I kept hearing the word perseverance and um, I don't know if this is for anyone here I shared it in first service but um, if you're in a relationship and you feel like you're at the end like you just don't have the strength to go on anymore like this is just hard I just can't do this anymore I, I believe that God wants to meet you today um, there's a verse in the Bible that says don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you faint not and um, I just feel like maybe there's people in here that you're saying God where is my due season I've been praying I've been believing I've been trying so hard but I feel like I just don't have it in me anymore and maybe it's not a marriage maybe it's another relationship that there's there's just conflict that I believe that God he's the God of um, restoration of healing and forgiveness so if you feel like that is you and you would like prayer for that there's no judgment um, but we would love to pray with you and if our leaders could come and pray and two I number one number two is do you have that personal relationship with Jesus I'd never take for granted a moment for somebody to maybe be in this room today that you've yet to take that first step to put Christ at the center of your life. You can try, you can you can push, you can shove, you can do your best, but without Christ at the center of your life, you're always going to feel like something's not right. So this morning, we want to give you that opportunity to say, man, Pastor Sean, Pastor Dana, I want Christ to be the center of my life more than anything else. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're in this room today, been hurt, you carry pain, maybe you've been through failed relationships, whether friendships, marriages, can I tell you today, Christ is king. He's the healer. He's the restorer. And if you'll let him, he'll touch that hurt and he'll heal that pain. And he can bring you to a place where you can be whole and healthy you can be that person that can love somebody like they deserve to be loved. So if that's you today, you say, Pastor Sean, would you pray for me? Christ is not the center of my heart. And I'd like to make that decision today. Anybody at all that just raised their hand this morning and say, that's us. That's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Honest people in church this morning. Thank you. 
another one. Amen. Another. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. I love this song. When you take it slow and you let God do what he wants to do. If that was you this morning, you say, man, I need to respond to one of those things. Could you run up here this morning? We're not trying to call you out or sing you out, but we have people that would like to pray with you, lead you in a prayer. And it's a lot easier to do that up here than it is when you're out there. So if that was you this morning, you say, man, I, I need to respond. Could you run up here real quick? Amen. I think somebody else in the room this morning, you need to repent of being selfish in your relationship. It's so easy to get so focused where I have a spouse to serve my needs. It's so easy to begin to lose sight of what you're really called to do together. And there's somebody in the room that maybe you need to find that place at the altar where you say, God, forgive me for only thinking about myself, thinking about my hurt, thinking about my pain, thinking about what I need fulfilled in my life. But today's your day to say, God, enough is enough. I'm ready to repent. So if you need Jesus to be the center, could you run down here this morning real quick? I know there's one. Is there another? Be bold enough to come down so we can pray. Amen. Thank you, bro.